Contrary to popular opinion, pastors are made, not born. We might come to the work with certain natural gifts or gifts of the Spirit, but it's really congregations that help shape us into the pastors we become. We're going to be talking with Gary Simpson, the pastor of Concord Baptist Church of Christ in Brooklyn, New York, about just that thing. Stay tuned for Good God. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I'm your host, George Mason, and I'm pleased to welcome to the program today my dear friend, my brother, Gary Simpson, the Reverend Dr. Gary oh, Simpson. Wow. Welcome, Gary. It's great to see you, George. Great to be with you. I've been longing to get here to talk with you. Well, I'm so glad to hear you say that because we have much to talk about, but I think probably we should begin by letting people know that when uh, we call one another brother, we're not just uh, yeah. talking like we might on the street. Yes, I, I think that is so. Um, I think across the years we have carved and cut out a relationship that is more like kindred uh, than many of the collegial relationships I have, and it's authentic, and I, I received that uh, title from you with open arms and open heart. <laughs> well, I'm so glad, and, and I should say that we people might be interested to know that uh, we're having this conversation on the weekend of the 30th anniversary of my, uh, anniversary of my pastorate here at Wilshire Baptist Church, and uh, you were good enough to come and preach for us this morning, and it was um, a stirring sermon. Uh, <laughs> those who heard it understand exactly what I mean because you preached about stirring the pot yeah. somewhat and uh, how uh, there's a text from uh, the Book of Kings where uh, it, it talks some about that and how uh, the prophet dealt with a dangerous situation right. and how it uh, turned it turned into good. Right. So, but thank you for that beautiful contribution and gift, uh, Gary. Um, you know, you you're the senior pastor of a, a very important church historically in Brooklyn, New York, uh, Concord Baptist Church of Christ in Brooklyn. I went to high school in Brooklyn. I'm a New Yorker. You're actually from Columbus, Ohio, right. but now Brooklyn is your home, and, and Dallas is my home, but there is this sort of uh, thing about New York, isn't there, that uh, there, there, there's, there's, it, it's, uh, for Americans in many ways, it's kind of the center of the universe. You this know? is absolutely right, and, I, and, and there is something about it that is so, uh, and it sounds cliche, but cosmopolitan. You right. are engaged with so many uh, worlds, cultures, right. identities at one time, right. and it, it really, I won't say it makes you better, but, but, but I think being there day to day, uh, you are aware of the world in a way. You must be in order to actually even to survive in that space, actually. Right, yeah. right. So a lot of people I know assume that probably you came to New York from the South, mm -hmm. uh, you know, right. which is, is not true. Right. You're, you're, you're from Ohio. Right. I remember um, uh, talking with Peter Gomes ab about this, and he was, of course, at Harvard, but, you know, Peter's from 
Plymouth. Right. Uh, he was from Plymouth, Massachusetts. Right. Uh, certainly not a Puritan, but right. Peter used to take umbrage all the time when right. people would assume that he came from the South. You right. know, they, yes, the, and of course, and and to be Baptist. Uh, that's that's also, right. All, that's the second part. That when I say a Baptist, they assume I am from the South. Right. And Southern Baptist. Right. And right. neither of those things are true. <laughs> Well, we'll get into some more of that, about what kind of Baptist yeah, and how sure. you, some of the legacy of your church in that regard, too. Uh, but I, I, think it's, um, I think it's really interesting that you're here this weekend with me, and both of us have very long-term pastorates by uh, standards of most churches. So I've just hit 30. You're at 28 or 9? I'll be 29 next month. Next month, 29. Yeah. Yeah. And each of us followed long-term pastorates. Mm. My predecessor, 30 years, yours? 42. 42 years, 42 yes. Years. So what do you make of the continuity that we've experienced in our churches, which is so rare of congregations today? Yeah. I think it, it says something about the congregations themselves, Yes. about uh, understanding that uh, pastors do not arrive they become pastors. Ah, good, and good. We're, we were both babies, weren't yes, we? Yes, oh yeah. my gosh. And I think, George, about some of the things that I did and said earlier, I am so grateful that this church practiced forgiveness and grace. I, it was I, <laughs> I, I've, I've said some of the same things this weekend, absolutely, yes. You know, but I think I think the, the communal will Mm-hmm. for their leader to do well. Yes. You know, there's this sense in, and I felt that today in Wilshire today, uh, a, a kind of common will, of the people who, yeah. who want George to do well. Right. And, and, and that is not an affront to them and is not in competition with their own doing well. It is an opportunity for, for them to both receive the benefits of that. Yes. And, and to be able to turn that over and out into into the community, I think that's what you know, I know. That's what Concord has done. There, there's there's a 99 year old woman in our church right now. Uh, she is very much the matriarch of the congregation. 30 years ago, at 69 years old, shortly after I came as a young pastor, I said or did something that she didn't like, and I just said, "Well, this is the way we're going to do it." And she looked at me, and she said. You know, young man, you've got a lot to learn, and I'm just the one to teach you. See, <laughs> and we—I I mentioned that to her the other day in the presence of uh, a bunch of folks at a luncheon, and she laughed, and we both laughed about it. But you know, we—she and I have not always agreed on yeah. a lot. But I know she loves me, and she defends me, and mm. she wants me to be the best pastor I can be. Exactly. Isn't that what you're talking that, about? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I think you, you, because the work is about relationships, yeah. there is no relationship that is always wonderful and 100%. There are right. times at which right. just because we are, uh, because we are different. I heard, a, I was in a, a seminar the other day and I never thought about it until it was said. The, um, the leader said, Every marriage is cross-cultural. 
Oh, yeah. And she said, it it doesn't matter if you are the same in so many other ways, but the fact that you both have been raised in different places, you are Mm -hmm. in different table times or no table time, there Mm -hmm. are things that have happened that are rituals in one space, and you're negotiating that, Mm -hmm. that the cross-cultural reality. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the same is true, and I want to, I'm always leery of talking about, I don't like this conversation about the pastors and the churches we're, we're here at installation for the marriage between this pastor and oh the yeah church. right just, marriage the, I, yeah it's right. like no 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 no, no. no. the church is already married right, right? right. exactly <laughs> and the pastor may already be married too we don't want to do that that's right, right? that's but, right but I, but i but i do think at that sense of understanding the relationality yes there are some people uh, in concord who were cool on me when I got there and they have warmed up and mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. are some people who are very warm on me who have cooled off over time uh-huh. and you can't right. in this work you know, you, you can't take it personally oh I mean, my goodness you know you can't say okay George did that to me in 1968 I'm never yes. speaking to him again because right. life happens right. deaths happen births happen crises happen people go to jail families get in trouble mm-hmm. uh, good things happen people graduate they right. watch or the or the the hundredth birthday for that member that's right who wants you to be there that's right exactly. I mean, all of those things <laughs> right are are really um, a part of having the fluidity to mm-hmm. to uh, to be able to let the relationships d- grow develop yes and and they can't be marked by any one thing right? I do think that uh, each of us had the challenge but also the blessing of having esteemed predecessors mm-hmm. um, we know that they, I know that Gardner Taylor, Gardner C. Taylor, your predecessor, mm. Doc Taylor, um, very uh, important figure in Baptist life in American mm. history, uh, and he blessed you. Mm. Uh, he, um, he treated you like his heir apparent mm. and his pastor, mm. and um, my, my predecessor, Bruce McKeever, did the same. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's a burden um, because when we're young, we want we want to have our own way exactly. and our own voice, <laughs> exactly. and we want them to just you know kind of you know I know that was then, but this yeah. is now. Could right. you kind of do that? Right, right, right. And now here we are. Here we are. And it's important to remember one day somebody's going to follow us. Right, right. And so it was. More work, I think, in some ways in those early years for me yeah. and maybe for you yeah. to, to, to really be patient about yeah. that with people. Huh? Yeah, I think that that is the key. Uh, uh, um, when, when, when I did something right in the church, uh-huh. people would say, whether it was true or not, yeah. Dr. Taylor told him to do that, right? Yes, right. And if I did something wrong, they'd say, He's he no should Dr. have talked Taylor. to Dr. Taylor. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> right. so they, right. they had created this kind of, um, um, uh, they have created this kind of conversation that Dr. Taylor and I were having right. that we weren't really having. Uh, yes. But but and it was hard when you when you're young and you, you it is you're trying to you're trying yes. to establish yourself and you right. know uh, and God knows again. I, I, 
I'm grateful that uh, uh, David has this passage. Uh, uh, one of the psalmists has this passage when he says uh, that he's thanking God that the sins of his youth did not find him out. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and right. every time I read that mm-hmm. passage, I don't care if I'm in Bible story, but I say, excuse me a moment. Right. Yes. There were just look. There were so many things. I wish I, uh, I'll use your golf term, had a mulligan. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, yes. For, but I'm, I'm grateful for the journey. Even those wrong decisions and things have, have helped to, you know, establish, um, to est- establish my own identity as pastor, which right. is, which is very different. Right. And I remember, I had there was a pastor in my youth, George, who, who. Um, we did not get along. We were just so opposite in every way, theologically opposite, politically opposite, but he had very wise things to say, right? So I, I, I find myself repeating him a lot. In my youth, I would have dismissed him because of those differences. Yes, right. But now the things he says make sense. And so one of the things he said, son, you know, we're companions and not competitors. Uh-huh, and, very good. And he would say, you know, this is not a sprint. It's it's a, it's a relay race and it's a marathon. Uh-huh, and when uh-huh. I started to kind of understand the right. passing of the baton and everybody runs their leg, right? Yes. It really relieved me from uh, from feeling the kind. And I never felt competition with Dr. Taylor. I didn't think I could compete with him uh, given w- what his uh, wonderful record was. But I also really believe that there was a space, if if God had called me there, mm-hmm. which I believe so, that there was a space for me yes. to be there and to be who I was. Right. Um, and if I might, I'll tell you a little story about that. So uh, I went to hear Jeremiah Wright preach yes. one Sunday. They were still in the old church. They hadn't gone to the New Trinity. Uh-huh. I went to an early service because I was preaching in Chicago at 11. I walked into the church and there was Dr. Wright on the piano playing the whole service, George. Wow. An associate who had come who had come home preached and he played the whole service on the piano and masterfully played. And so um I when I was, when I first started out, everybody that I that I wanted to to learn from, I'd bring them a concord to preach and I'd say, I just need one lunch with you or dinner or something. And I went out and I told him that story. And he said to me, he said, you know, um, when God called you to Concord, God knew every gift that you had and God expected you, expects you to use that. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Taylor did not sing, did not do music. And I thought that's what it meant to be pastor of Concord Church. I'm no great singer. I'm a musician. Yes, you I'm, are. I'm a, I'm a singer. You're a pianist. And, yeah. I, and, and so that has become a part of the way in which my personality there you uh, go. Uh, lives out in the life of the church. Yeah. My predecessor was a wonderful storyteller mm. as a preacher, mm. uh, had a great sense of humor, uh, and uh, I would say came from a more oral culture mm-hmm. of preaching mm-hmm. from the hills of North Carolina. Okay. Um, I am more of a Yankee, so mm-hmm. I, I tend to move more from the written word mm-hmm. to the spoken word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it took a while for me to 
find my voice with a congregation that had been used to listening in a certain yeah. way, you yeah. know. And, and, and so some of that was my adapting. Uh, some of it was their adapting. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of think of it like, uh, you know, one of us is broadcasting and the other's tuning into the right frequency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when that starts to come together, the static dissipates right. and you start really hearing each other. Right. Right? right. And that's where the beautiful thing happens. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah, so let's take a break and we'll come sure. back and, and, and continue this conversation about pastoring and church life. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Thank you. Great. Thank you for continuing to tune in to Good God. These conversations are part of a larger program that is called Faith Commons, the umbrella organization, you might say, of Good God. Good God is the first project of Faith Commons, which is a nonprofit organization that is intended to do public theology, you might say. Uh, It's multi-faith, not just Christian, Jewish, Muslim, other faiths, but all of them becoming involved in the question of how do we promote the common good together. There are so many areas of need and concern in our community, and Faith Commons is trying to help bridge the gaps uh, between religions and peoples in our community so that we can have a more just and peaceful society. Thanks for continuing to support us. We're back with Gary Simpson the senior pastor of Concord Baptist Church of Christ in Brooklyn, New York, in the Bedford-Stuyvesant neighborhood of Brooklyn. Uh, and I have had the great privilege of preaching from your pulpit, Gary, and you've now uh, preached from mine twice, I think. And, I owe uh, you. You owe me, that's right. <laughs> uh, all our debts are paid in full uh, in so many different ways in friendship. Uh, but we uh, we both been talking about our churches this weekend mm-hmm. and about our uh, joy of ministry, really, and, and and it's it's you know being a pastor is not uh, an individual sport, right. so you can't be a pastor without a people, right. and so we both know that uh, so much of any uh, success in ministry that we've had is because of these churches that have seen to it that their pastors. Uh, grow and are successful, and that calls for some change from them too, yeah, as well as from sure. us. So, what have you seen in your uh, life in the church like that? Well, um, I'm, I'm just mindful of the people. Uh, there's nobody go- comes into a pastorate ready to take it all on, and there's a lot. I mean, there's so much to absorb. You spend your, I think, your first moments in a church absorbing the history. Oh, true. Both, both true. the both the official and the unofficial uh-huh, history, uh-huh. and the way in which yeah. those stories clash. Right. But but there, but I really believe God raises people up for you, guiding spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there were a few people in Concord, including Dr. Taylor, but Dr. Taylor was not the only guiding spirit I had. I had a woman in our church. She was a retired regional IRS director. And for all of her life, when I was an associate with Dr. Taylor, she was uh, she was over the youth group and she she just guided generations of youth. Uh, When I got there and she retired, uh, I brought her into the office as my administrator. 
and she just raised me <laughs> mm-hmm. as a pastor to yes. be she she would not bring anything to me cosetta green i'll call her name all right cosetta was from arkansas and uh she she would not bring me anything that i didn't need to know uh-huh. and sometimes she would handle things mm-hmm. herself having her in my cadre or cabinet so to speak gave me her integrity i i inherited her integrity wow. right some of yes. the people who weren't quite sure on me knew that cosetta was a person of integrity and okay. that and and so she would help me out in that regard Interesting. i um had another annabelle who was the chair the last well not the last but chair of the deaconess board and uh, Ch- annabelle would say that's my pastor he might not always be right, but he's never wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she would, she, so, so I was doing a lot of eulogies. Yes. Uh, you know, I guess I've buried close to 900 people since I've been wow. there now. And uh, before, the, before the eulogy, I said, okay, Annabelle, tell me about this person. And she'd give me a snapshot of that person's wow. life. And it's that nice helped story. me. Yes. To, to go in and uh-huh. talk about people and to come to know people that I otherwise would have just been given a generic eulogy. But those people did those kind of things in the background. They didn't seek attention, but yes. they wanted their pastor to be um, uh, successful is not the word, uh, mm-hmm. faithful, right. um, and, to, and to be a pastor who had in his own day and time, uh, happened because I'm a male, his own yeah, day right. and time to, to, to do well. And, mm-hmm. and I always sense both of those women are gone now, uh, but their deaths were kind of like, okay, you can do it now. Yeah, you, you don't, yeah. you don't yeah. need me. I remember when I went to, uh, we also um, transitioned to a diaconate. We removed the gender um, requirement for deacons and uh, Cosetta took ill and she, she moved to North Carolina, but I flew down to see her and I said, Cosetta, uh, I think we're ready to do it. We're going we're gonna to do it now. It's her, her response, well, it's about time. It's about time, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I had a, there's a man who's still in the church and uh, years ago, mm, 25 years ago probably, a uh, fellow joined the church, uh, this couple, and he, had brought some of his um, pain of another church Mm -hmm. with him, Mm -hmm. and he uh, was immediately overly enthralled with me Mm -hmm. and wanted to be close to me, Mm -hmm. it seemed. And when that didn't sort of become what he had hoped, he sort of turned Mm -hmm. uh, the other way and started uh, finding things to share with people about how he thought I was wrong about this Mm -hmm. or there's a problem with Mm -hmm. that or whatever. And uh, this had gotten to the point where I was becoming really alarmed by this and needing to do something and suddenly it turns out he left the church mm-hmm. and uh, it took me a little while but I found out that this this man in the church took him to lunch and said you know um, we, we, we're happy for you to be at our church but you know we've, we've been doing okay before you came <laughs> and we're going to do okay after you're gone right. so understand that we don't share your feelings about mm-hmm. this, and if you would like to be part of our community, then there are some ways that we do things right. that we expect you right. to 
exercise a certain comportment. And he was not prepared to do that, and he left. And and, but nobody asked him to do that. Right. He understood our church culture. Mm -hmm. He was determined to protect me. And you know, I uh, of course I believe if I had been deeply at fault in some way, he would have also come to me. But uh, but it, this is the way churches handle things well right. or poorly. Yes. And, 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 and those churches that let these people become bullies right. or to r- ride roughshod over people and they have no capacity to stand up to, uh, to this and to create the health that needs to happen, or as you'd say, you know, Elisha's putting some flour in the mm, stew pot right, when right. it was when it, when there was death in that right, pot from right, right. Second Kings. Right. That's what we need, right, right in right. in the congregation is that wisdom. Yeah, I think I think so, and and I'm I'm also convinced that um, if I were to address every one of those things personally yes. and immediately, right. It takes on another dimension that is not healthy for anybody. You Agreed. Know? So, so, and I'm 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 caught right because mm-hmm. if I shut that person down myself, mm-hmm. now I'm the bullet, right? Yes, now, that's right. I have that's right. So I can't. There's some battles that a pastor has that she or he cannot fight by themselves, nor should right. they. Right. And and congregations should in fact step into those places. Right. Uh one of my one of my friends says that uh one of my acquaintances says that uh he says he has a taint so committee. Right. A so, taint so, so that's that, good. So that well, it, it taint so <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know <laughs> but but I think I think what I'm worried about, George, honestly, is is the kind of unnecessary detachment of pastoral identity from congregation. Yes. As if I really believe, if we follow the New Testament, that pastoring is one of the gifts, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I really believe I'm living out my gift, no better gift than the other gifts, right? In the other people have gifts. And that I, I and I and I want people to live into their gifts as passionately as I do into pastoring, but I but I I don't understand us as against one another. This is a part of so being this the is, body. So this yeah. is an interesting thing about our Baptist tradition. So whereas in other traditions there are uh, there's a kind of caste system of clergy and laity, mm-hmm. right? Well. In, in, in our case, uh, we are technically, even though we are clergy, we are part of the laity. Right. Uh, now, we don't, we don't often talk about it, but we are, our first identity is to be one priest among other priests, mm-hmm. right? Now, we are priests to the priests, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. so, but we are only designated as such from within the body. Right. Right. So, when we get into this professionalism of ministry yeah. thing that I think you're alluding to, right, right. now we're, it's like we're on the free market of what congregation wants to call us to take our ministry to them. Right. Well, our ministry is only what it is in relationship to a people. Exactly it's it's right. not that we carry a ministry right, with us. Right, right. right. And, and as, as I was getting at this in that Second Kings text today, 
you know, this idea of understanding the gathering yes. as a company of prophets. That's right. 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 This, is, this is not just the prophet right. and these people, yes. but the company of the prophets, that everybody there, not just Elisha, everybody there is, is actually claimed by their prophetic identity. Yes. And I don't know in this kind of caste system or chasm that we give the permission or the voice right. to the prophetic identity of the people who traditionally sit in the pews. Right? Yes. And, that, you know. and, and sometimes come to say to us, Pastor, it's time. Exactly. Okay, it's time. We can't dither anymore. Right. Uh, there, there, this is something that we have to address. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll tell you that um, a few years ago, uh, we had delayed um, the decision about what place uh, LGBTQ Christians in our church would have. We had never made a formal decision about that, never had a study or talked about it or whatever. And because I, as a pastor, you know where your people are right, and you right. try to read and sense when it's ready. You know what's going on inside your own heart mm -hmm. and mind. Uh, and so for a couple of years, um, we had a man nominated to be a deacon mm -hmm. who was a faithful, wonderful Christian, beloved in the church, uh, but a partnered gay man. Mm -hmm. And I knew that uh, the church was not yet prepared to have that conversation. I believed that to be true. Mm -hmm. And there were a number of reasons for that. Mm. And so I exercised some pastoral judgment mm. to the New Deacon Committee in mm. saying, uh, I, I really would like you to not bring that to the church, mm. even though he's so well uh, nominated uh, and endorsed by people, because we don't want to make him the issue. Mm. This is my job to get the church ready to, to, to deal with this question. And after a couple of years, two or three of doing that, um, I was ready, but the people had said to me, okay, pastor, no more. Mm -hmm. So it's time for the church to do this. Mm -hmm. And so some people, of course, thought, okay, this is just George, right, you know, right, rushing exactly, all of this. Exactly. They didn't know that what was happening is these five kids that grew up in our church had come out, mm -hmm. and this committee had told me, you can't, you can't hold this back anymore. We need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court had said, you know, there's a change in the law of the land right, now, right. right? And we all knew on the ground that that people were changing their mind about right, this. Right. Okay, pastor, it's time. It's time. It's time. Yeah. So, so th the people are prophets too. Yeah, and you know, I think we we miss that. Uh huh. So I hear people say, "Well, our, my church isn't ready." Yeah, they're far more ready. Often. And ahead of us, right? That's exactly right. So right. What, what took you so long? You right. Know? Right. Well, and <laughs> sometimes know? I think what happens is that because we're sort of the at least titular head if not official head of what feels like an institution mm. typically you you think in terms of institutional preservation right, right? Mm. about stability and unity and all those sorts of things and understanding you've got a staff here that you need to pay and whatnot uh, the people themselves we overestimate mm. their commitment to no 
controversy, no trouble. Right, you know, right. the truth is, a lot of times the people are ready for an adventure too That's in right. faith. That's right. And uh, both of us have had the privilege of being in churches that had a history of courageous right. uh, work that was being done through them. Right. And what an honor that we get to serve them. Oh man, I I I cannot think of anything else I'd want to be doing, nor any other place that I would want to be doing it than with the people of Concord Church. Well, and you do it well, and I've watched your relationship to those people, and uh, I've experienced an amazing uh, weekend of uh, recognition of that relationship here. Uh, your being present with me in this blessing is more than I can say. Thank oh, you, my friend. Thank you, George. All right. All Thanks right. for being on All Good right. God. Good to be here. All right. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Guest coordination and social media by Upward Strategy Group. Good God, Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2019 by Faith Commons.